Amen. Thanks, Trevor. You can have a seat. As I was repeating that chorus over and over again just then, um, I depend on you. You know, sometimes, I don't know, that some people enjoy jumping into the flow of music, and then I'm one of the ones that will be analyzing what we're saying and thinking, like, do we need to say it like ten more times or five more times? Or, and uh, and I, it actually struck me in the middle of all those, mo- you know, I depend on you, I depend on you, and I just think, am I, am I actually depending on him? Like, or am I just mouthing these words? Um, it's easy to think in the, even in our Christian lives, even if we're, if we fancy ourselves to be very religious or something, to still walk through life and essentially do it on our own or do it in our own strength and not have a conscious awareness or a faith in God. And uh, so for me, that, that I'm, I'm glad we sang that. I'm glad we had time to reflect on that, that principle. Um, so I wanted to call your attention back before we jump into Romans 12 to our, our holiday plan because there are, there are a lot of things going on and we're excited about all these. They all have different lanes and certainly not every family is going to engage in every piece of this. This is really to try to reach out and connect with a lot of different kinds of people. And, uh, and so some of these things are kind of self-explanatory. By the way, if you're new around here, Torch is our middle school ministry and amplifies our high school ministry. So that's what those two key words mean. And, uh, and I wanted to zoom in on that blue Christmas there on December 21st. That, that's something new that we're trying this year um, as an opportunity to connect people to Jesus in, in a way that maybe doesn't fit with the cultural sense of, you know, Christmas tends to be a time of festivity. Everyone's cheerful. There's warm family meals and hot baked cookies and all that. Um, and that's wonderful. And we still have a lot of elements like that. But for some people, this time of year that we're coming into really is a very difficult time of year, and not everything is tinsel and Christmas trees and lights. You know, some, some of it is some, some heartbreak and some loss and some challenge and a need to just reflect and connect with each other and with God, and that's what that blue Christmas time will be about. So I, I know that a variety of people throughout our church are helping make that happen, and that'll be a really special, unique opportunity I don't want to give too much of it away, but I know Trevor will be leading the worship time in that, and he, he said it'll be kind of classic music and just an opportunity really to reflect, and everything will be a little bit quieter, uh, and a little bit calmer, uh, because, you know, we'll have our celebration. We've got our musical, and we've got all the parties, and all that'll be great too, but, uh, but if you would say, you know, I, I would like a little bit of time in this Christmas season to set aside for something a little bit more somber, uh, a little more reflective, I'd encourage you to try that out. And uh, you can sign up in our church email. There's a link to RSVP to that Blue Christmas. I don't think you have to RSVP necessarily, but it would help us because it's our first time doing it. We don't really know how many people to expect. And uh, so let us know uh, if that's something that you think you'd like to try or, or bring a friend or family member along to as well. And I also wanted to call attention to Christmas Eve because that is a Sunday this year, which means we get to do church four times that day, which will be lots of fun. And uh, you can come to all four if you want to, although you only have to come to two, right? So you can pick a morning service and then pick one of our candlelight Christmas Eve services. We'd love for you to come to those. And especially that candlelight Christmas Eve, if you have family plans that night, it is a great thing to work into those plans. It's just one hour, get to hold a candle, sing some hymns, just engage in some Christmas spirit, wear your best warm sweater. And, uh, and it, it'll be a neat memory, even if your family, maybe they're unchurched or they're not from around here, it's still a great opportunity to bring them into something that's important to you. So I'd encourage you to just be thinking ahead to that as an opportunity to outreach to a family member, friend, neighbor, coworker. Um, Christmas Eve, we'll have lots of opportunities to worship that day. 
the other thing I wanted to mention as we get into the end of year season, and I know that this is kind of the last, in my mind at least in my life, this is the last regular week. Because as soon as Thanksgiving happens, we kick into holiday mode. And, uh, you know, you still have to do your work, but then there's all this extra work that comes along with the holiday time. And, uh, and so I wanted to put this in your heart, in your mind. One of the things that we talk about generally a couple times a year as a church is just how our whole operation here is funded, how our mission is accomplished. And at the end of the year, a little stat I found this week, uh, U.S. nonprofits at, on average receive about 30% of their annual donations in December, um, which means that December, while everyone else is out there having festivities, the nonprofit leaders are all biting their nails, wondering, like, will it all work out? Because then look at this, usually 10% comes in the last three days of the year. So for those of you last-minute people, we, we know who you are. And uh, there's actually a reason why that happens. It's in the, and for those of you who own businesses, you, you have to kind of find out what's, what is the total going to be for our business so that we know what we can donate and how that might impact our tax liabilities and all of that. So I understand why people wait to the very last minute. But I thought it might be good to start praying about all this before the last three days of the year. Uh, maybe you could just say, Lord, is there anything special you want us to give in December? Uh, not just for the church. Like, as, as you're well aware, we're not just about, hey, everything needs to pour into this organization. There are amazing mission opportunities around the world. There are probably people sitting around you in your life, maybe even in this room, that could use a Christmas blessing directly from you, and you don't have to go through the church. That's fine. But just be thinking ahead in the, as we get into the season of generosity to be strategic about that. The two big ticket items on our radar as a church that we want you to know about um, of course, our general church giving in the month of December, we tend to have quite a swing up in that, and we praise God for that. It has to do with that business cycle that I mentioned before, uh, but our goal, what we're praying for is $150,000 of income in December, and if that happens, we'll essentially have met our budget for this year, which means all the, all the operations, all the ministries, all the missionaries we support, kind of everything put together, that's what will fund all of that, and that's what we're on track, you know, Lord willing to see happen. So if you feel led to be a giver, thank you for that. And if in the month of December you have extra blessings you want to share or you want to start becoming a giver in the month of December, awesome. We would love to have you join the team in that way. And, uh, and that we, we do our best to, to really make sure those dollars are well invested in kingdom purposes, that the things we're spending money on as a church and investing in as far as missions are concerned really do have impact and effect. Hopefully you can feel that as a recipient of some of that uh, in our programs and services, but as we dream of expanding those and trying to reach new populations of people, um, all of that depends on a couple different things. God's power, volunteers, and then the money to back all that up, and that's, that's what we're saying, you know, Lord, would you provide that amount of money in December? And then the other thing, if you're kind of looped in and I hope you are. If you're not, let me know. Uh, but we are planning on making a substantial investment on the other side of our building as soon as we can um, to upgrade our children's ministry space. And so what we're praying for in the month of December is $250,000 in special offering toward that. Um, that's what we need to be able to essentially start the project. But we need a little more than that. We need the money in December of that much, but then we also need the $1 million in future pledges that could stretch over the next two years and so if God is leading you in that direction or you'd like to have a conversation about that, let one of our elders know or let me know, and we can sit down with you and kind of walk you through our game plan, uh, give you material about that, but we'd love to bring you in on that. And, uh, and like I said, these are two of many different wonderful things that I know will be 
kind of knocking on your door, asking for a donation in the month of December, I would just ask you to pray and don't feel any pressure to give here, but just say, Lord, you know, where do you want me to invest my generosity this year? And then follow what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. So with that, we're going to jump into Romans chapter 12 and get into, um, I think, a very striking passage about what it means to walk the way Jesus does in regard to our relationships with other people. So Romans 12 essentially is outlining for us how to live as Christians, right? And so that's what this marking means. This symbol is the Arabic letter N, and in places like Israel or Jordan or Lebanon, places like that, this symbol oftentimes is a way to designate who's a Christian or not. So sometimes this gets painted on the home of someone that's about to face persecution, or maybe this could be a symbol of mockery that they could put on someone, N meaning Nazarene or follower of Jesus. Um, In the same way that we have crosses kind of in Western culture to designate uh, what's Christian, they have those too, but this is just kind of a unique way to say, you know, here's a mark that means Christian. It's a little different than a mark we normally see. It makes makes us wonder, what is it actually that we're marking when we say that? When we say, hey, I'm a Christian too. Well, what are you saying by saying that? Um, In the book of Romans, this, this text that we're studying falls toward the end of the book after the Apostle Paul has written to the Roman church about the salvation that God has provided and all the glorious things God has done and all the mercy of God, essentially says, in view of all of that, what should you do? And he says you should surrender your life to Jesus and start walking as a Christian. That's Romans 12. Okay, so we learned a few weeks back that the, the, the primary distinguishing mark of a Christian, wherever you are in the world, is not the cross on your earring or the N, the Arabic N on your shirt or the fish symbol on your car. The, the, the primary distinguishing mark of who's a Christian and who's not is who follows Jesus as their Lord, uh, who has surrendered to Jesus and recognized his authority, his lordship over their lives and over the world. And once we receive that, once we step into that life of following Jesus, we recognize that transformation is going to require that we change the way we think. Because there are a whole host of customs and patterns and bad habits in this world that pull us away from the way of Jesus. And so it's not just a change of belief, but then it's a change of all the things those beliefs, what those result in in our lives, the momentum of our lives, the patterns of our lives. And, uh, and of course, for the last few weeks, then we've been in verses three and following, learning about all the aspects of what a Christian life looks like, including last week which is a wonderful presentation from Pastor Dell about hospitality and welcoming outsiders in and how that really is a core part of what it means to be a Christian, uh, that in your life, in your heart, you're always looking at other people with different eyes. It's not just about you. Uh, it's about who you can pull in, who you can share God's love with. And, uh, and today's verses, as we go forward, um, help us define a little of how to do that. Okay, so here are verses for today. Verses 14 through 16, bless those who persecute you, don't curse them, pray that God will bless them, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep, live in harmony with each other, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people, and don't think you know it all. So we just want to park in this paragraph and ask God, you know, Lord, what do you want to teach us? Some of these statements on their own are fairly self-evident. You know, it's not like someone has to explain to us what these sentences mean. 
But Lord, what, what does these mean for me? How, how should we apply these to our lives? So that's what we want to do with our remaining time this morning. Okay? Living as a Christian means treating people the way that Jesus treats us. So when I'm, when I'm looking at the idea of living as a Christian, I'm not just thinking of that in some sort of an abstract or theological way. I'm thinking kind of literally, well, how did Jesus act? And if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, then I should act the same way he acted. I should respond to things the same way he responded to them. I should treat people the same way he treated people. And then I think this paragraph gives us some hints about how that works, because you can look at all the sentences of this paragraph and say, yeah, that is how Jesus acted. That is what he did. Even though people around him would have done things differently, even though our own intuitions and impulses would probably do things differently, Jesus did flip the script, right? He changed, he brought a new kind of kingdom. He changed the way that we're supposed to think. So, zooming in on this, uh, meditating, and that's just chewing on or really reflecting on the words, bless those who persecute you. Bless those who persecute you. Well, what's your first instinct if someone's persecuting you? Like, what would be the general, like the normal human response to that? Somebody makes fun of you, what do you think to do? Might depend on how quick-witted you are, but for me, I would think of how can I make fun of them, right? How can I punch right back? Um, and, and that's where, if you think, if you kind of extrapolate that out, you end up with a society that would be essentially an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life, like whatever... Whatever you do wrong to me, I'm just going to come back with you with equal or greater wrong right back at you, to, you know, so that we all maintain our territory that way. Jesus brought a different way to think into that equation. Instead of resisting and being angry or persecuting back, he said, bless those who persecute you. I was thinking about the word blessing. Blessing is something that brings well-being. It's support for another. So you think it's, blessing is when you're you're looking out for that other person and their best. And so sometimes, you know, you might have a, in, in the old days, they would talk about the, you know, a son or daughter wanting the blessing of their parents to like run the business. Or would you, would you bless this marriage that we, we wish to have? And it was just an idea of saying like, we, we're with you, we're supporting you, and we want the best for you. And so I, I think of blessing those who persecute me well, that would mean I could look at my persecutor and say, I want the best for you. It doesn't mean you like the person. doesn't mean you trust the person. But you would say, I care about their success as a person. Not necessarily their success in being a persecutor, but like I want them to, to find the life of Jesus the same way I found it. And even though their, their heart is filled with hate or malice, I, I don't want to return hate and malice to them. Instead, I, I want to I want to love them in return because that's how Jesus acted to the people that hated him, right? So we're just looking at the way of Jesus and saying, well, how do we copy his behavior? Um, I think about, say, I'm here with you, I'm rooting for you, or, or even looking at the person who's, who's your greatest enemy and kind of thinking, how, how could I help that person? Um, instead of feeling like you're in some sort of pitched battle with them, instead you're saying like, Lord, I, I wish their heart would change and how can I be a, how can I be a change agent in their life? I heard a story about um, a person who was put into prison for their faith in Cuba. And this was years ago when, you know, Cuba still has restrictions on religion, but um, a few decades back it was stronger than it is now. And they would imprison people who were pastors or, you know, known to be sharing their faith with others. And, uh, and this one person spent 
long months in a prison, and the only human contact that he had was a hand that would come through a little door, in the, like the prison door didn't have a window, but there was like a little doorway where they could pass food. And, uh, and so every day when that hand would appear and this tray of food would get set in the solitary confinement cell, uh, the Christian would just say um, a blessing to the person that, you know, he knew the person could hear, but the person never responded, a blessing to that hand. And, uh, and there was one day, months and months later, when the, the hand came in and there was no blessing. The guy was asleep or, you know, something happened and he just, he didn't say anything. And it actually caused the guard to open the door and talk to the guy, make sure he was okay because he was so used to receiving like this word of thanks or this blessing from this person behind this door. And, uh, and as the story goes, they, they struck up a friendship and eventually the person in prison was able to lead that guard to Christ, um, all because he's starting with just blessing the person who literally was the prison guard as he was sitting there under persecution. So you never know as you live the life of Jesus in front of people how your even small acts of blessing and care might add up to make a difference in someone's life or perspective. Um, so you're always thinking, how, how, do I, how do I serve and care, especially for the people who are hard to serve and care for? Okay, so next statement here, don't curse them, pray that God will bless them. Don't curse them, pray that God will bless them. So if you have a Bible there, I'd, I'd encourage you to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 6, and I want to read the words of Jesus himself about this dynamic, because here we have in Romans 12, the Apostle Paul telling us what the way of Jesus is, but we can open up to the Gospel of Luke and read Jesus' own words about how he told us to treat people who are like our enemies or who are persecuting us. So Luke chapter 6, verse 27 But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer him the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others what you would like them to do for you. And this flags all sorts of questions, right? Questions about what's just or what's fair or what's safe. But just hear what Jesus is saying about the attitude toward others is that we are there to serve them. So you could almost imagine the guy who comes up and he has to rob you to take your coat. And instead of worrying about your coat, you're worrying about the guy who's taking it. And you're saying, wait a minute, is, if somebody is cold enough to have to steal my coat, maybe I should give them my shirt as well. And so your, your heart is so filled with love toward others, not bent on trying to accumulate and then exact revenge whenever you can, but instead saying, how do I serve the people around me, even the people who are wronging me? Jesus continued to say there in verse 32, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And remember, he was talking to people, especially the Pharisee crowd, that really didn't think they were sinners. They really, they felt like they were fully righteous, right? They were really, really holy. And so he's challenging them, saying, hey, you know, everybody out there would love the people who love them. You're supposed to be at some sort of a higher standard, right? And if you do good to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. 
If you lend money to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. So if God is kind to the people who are unthankful and wicked, how should you be to the people who are unthankful and wicked? You also should be kind, right? Because we're following Him. We're doing life His way. Verse 36, you must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. So I love that. It's so clear, right? But then when you're actually in the situation where you yourself are being, you know, pushed against by someone, that's when you have to remember, wait, I, I, need, to, I need to walk the way of Jesus here, not the way that my instincts or my flesh would tell me to walk. So I, I look at it this way. Even if you are against me, I'll always be for you. So just take that in for a moment. I think that would be the attitude that we see Jesus displaying, right? At, to everyone that he ever encountered, even if, even if you're against me, I'll be for you. And now we as Jesus' followers, as little Christs, which is literally what the word Christian means, we would say that too. Say, you can resist me, you can persecute me, you can make fun of me or mock me, you can take things away from me, but as much as you're against me, I will always be for you. And that's so freeing when you recognize that's your mission, right? Your mission is not to try to defend your turf or keep that coat for yourself. Your mission is actually to serve and care for others and then to trust God. Um, trust that He sees and knows the truth about the situations that you're in. All right, moving on in the text here. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. I was thinking of how this text, I may have heard this text many times. I don't know if you've grown up in church, you've probably heard it before. And uh, when someone is struggling, when someone has terminal illness, you know, or someone's in, going through some sort of crisis, you say, yeah, we want to stand around and kind of hug that person corporately. We want to weep with them. We want to deal with their problem with them, not leave them alone. And meanwhile, when there are people celebrating, when things are going great, yeah, we want to be happy with those people. Um, here's a way that I process that and kind of connect it to the idea of even blessing our persecutors. It's as we look at other people now that we're followers of Jesus, we know that not every moment is about us. Hey, as a Christian, you know that. Not every moment is about you. Um, so you're willing to enter into the story of others. You're willing to care about what they care about. So if, if someone else is weeping, you're willing to set aside the fact that you were having a pretty good day before you talked to that person. You say, you know what, I'm going to enter their tragedy and weep with them and stand with them. Meanwhile, maybe you're having kind of a gray and depressing day, but there's somebody else here that has something great to celebrate. You're willing, at least for a time, to set aside yourself and whatever you're going through and just enter into that person's story and care about what they care about and celebrate and high-five their win. Um, because as a Jesus follower, you're not there just to serve yourself. So you're always kind of looking at other people saying, how, how do I meet them where they are? How do I care about them where they are? Hey, whether they're an enemy or a friend, we, we treat them the same way. Live in harmony with each other. So I was thinking about this verse, thinking like, I don't know, I have 10 kids in my household, those of you who haven't met me. So I don't, like I said, you know, you want to like preach as a hypocrite, but I would say my house is not always harmonious. Um, and sometimes living in harmony with each other would seem like almost a miraculous feat, right? When there's that many 
there's that much willpower all concentrated in one place, sometimes pitted against each other. But when I was thinking about this, thinking of, for me, I think I've usually thought of harmonious circumstances as like something that happens to me. Like, wow, it's such a great, you know, everything's so peaceful. But the way this is presented, this is a choice we would make. It's not something that happens to you. It's something that you initiate, that you live in harmony with each other. And, uh, and so it's not necessarily about going, wow, if only my husband was different, or if only my kids would listen, or if only the church would do things my way, or that, then it would all be harmonious. No, this is actually, this starts with you, right? Where you as an individual would say, I'm going to choose to be a peacemaker. I'm going to choose to treat people the way that Jesus would treat them. And in doing so, I get to live in harmony with others. Uh, a little bit later in our text, we'll talk about it next week, he talks about kind of as far as it depends on you, as much as you can, make every effort to be at peace. Sometimes people don't want peace, people can't have peace. Sometimes you have to defend yourself. Um, but make every effort, as far as it depends on you, to be a person of peace, right? So we say, well, okay, I'll, Lord, I, I want to live in harmony, and I recognize to do that, I'm going to have to set myself aside to do that. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. So you're looking out at a crowd with the eyes of Jesus, and you're not noticing the person who seems like, maybe that person's a little bit richer. Maybe I want to go rub shoulders with them a little bit. Or, wow, that person, that person kind of looks like uh, not the kind of person I want to hang out with. I think I'll avoid them. No, you're looking at everyone with those eyes of compassion and kindness, the way that Jesus would look at them. Um, by the way, an observation I would make about life um, is that people who worry about how they look when associating with others are insecure. You ever notice that? Like the person that has something to prove by like, I can't hang out with that crowd. Or you, you notice it so much when you're like in middle school, high school, but then even in adulthood, like you kind of things still can be a little bit that way. And the more secure you are in your purpose and your faith and your identity, the more that you can engage with anyone. And it's no threat to you. Uh, in fact, the irony is that proud people uh, like, like that would be the ones wary of associating with, right? The, the people that are actually the ones that are insecure and that are really worried about the pecking order and like who, who should I be hanging out with and who should I try to disassociate from. Those are the people you kind of run away from. Say, no, as, as, as a follower of Jesus, I want, to, I want to step toward people as often as I can. Okay, and then the last little phrase here in our text, don't think you know it all, right? Which is a great, a great reminder for all of us because as the old saying goes, we don't, we, we don't know what we don't know so we all kind of do think we know it all, right? Or that's naturally what we would think unless we choose humility to say, wow, maybe other people have something I need to learn from. So we're just looking out there and we're saying, how do we, how do we walk the way of Jesus? As a little Christ, uh, we get to be Jesus to people no matter who they are, no matter what they do, no matter what they think of us or say about us. We love them with His love. And, and here's how we can do it. Okay, it's really simple. We communicate this. I'm for you, and I'm with you. Okay, when I read that whole paragraph and try to boil it down and say, what is our application? Like, what do we need to do with this text in our lives? I think we need to have an attitude that says, like Jesus, I'm for you, and I'm with you. No matter how messed up your life is or how complicated our relationship might be or what the past looks like or what the future looks like, even if you've got a bad attitude, I'm for you and I'm with you. That's exactly what Jesus says to you and I 
And that's what we as his followers need to say to each other. So I say, okay, all right, if that's the case, like, how do I show it? I just want to give you a couple categories to go home and think about, all right? So I won't expand a whole lot on this part. I just want to offer you some ideas. How would you be for someone or be with someone? Well, one is with prayers. So Jesus said it and Paul said it, right? If someone's persecuting you, you can start by praying for them. Uh, you pray for them. You might even pray with them. That's a great way to communicate care, love, right? It also changes your attitude toward them when you do that because now you're involving God in the relationship that you have with that other person. You can do it with words. So you can speak for them or speak with them. You can speak encouragement to them. Maybe it even means advocating for someone who can't, for whatever reason, speak for themselves. You say, you know what, I'll, I'll step in, I'll speak, I'll use my words to help you. Uh, that's, how, that's what Jesus would do. And so, Lord, I, I want to always be ready uh, to share words. With presence, you can communicate you're for someone, you're with someone very literally by being with them. I think about how often in, in my life and in pastoral ministry, someone will, you know, they'll, they'll kind of, you know, some tragedy will have happened and you, I don't know, occasionally I get to show up right at the moment of tragedy, you know, and I, I don't like that moment, but a lot of times there is nothing to say. Like, they're like, hey, the pastor's here. Like, what do you have to say? I, there's, a lot of times there's not a great answer to the, you know, why is this happening or what should we do next? But people will just say, like, I'm just so glad I'm not alone. So I'm glad someone came, someone's there. And, uh, and so we all get to do that, right? We all get to be with people, just convey that we're for them. And then lastly, with actions. So when you serve someone, you let them know that you value them, you let them know that they, they matter to you, and you set aside your own agenda, jump into life with them. Okay, so being for people, being with people is how you can begin changing the world right now. As we, uh, as we wrap up, I do want to pray with you about these things and invite you to make it really personal by thinking of maybe some specific names of people that you could be for or people you could be with, okay? So who in the church family needs someone to be for and with them? Maybe, maybe God brings someone to mind that you think of. Who is the hardest person in your life right now to be for and with? So maybe that's the closest thing you have to an enemy. I don't know. Maybe you actually have an enemy. I kind of hope I don't have enemies, right? <laughs> but, but there are definitely difficult people, and there are people who don't like me. So, okay, okay well, I don't, I don't like them either. So there's my target audience, right? Who do I need to bless and pray for? Well, it might be those people. Um, who in your world doesn't yet realize that Jesus is for them and with them? could be a coworker or a fellow student, somebody that you've recognized, like that person doesn't know Jesus, and you are Jesus for them. Like you're the, you're the, you're the representative of God's way. So you would, you would say, how do, I, how do I convey care to them? All right, so why don't we pray about these things and ask for God's help? Lord, um, thank you for your, your care for us. Thank you that you are for us and with us, even in our worst moments, even when we don't deserve it. Uh, Lord, even when you were on the cross, you were still showing care. You were still asking for the forgiveness of the people who were hurting you in that moment. And Lord, that, um, that sets such a high bar of an example for us. We, we do want to follow you into that kind of thinking, that way of life where no one has to be our enemy. Uh, rather, Lord, we would be rooting for everyone, and that we would be standing with anyone, 
So, Lord, I pray that you would give us grace to see your perspective on that and to know how we would apply that in our lives, to even as we might think of some names as we ask these questions. Um, Lord, if there's someone that's really difficult for us to love, would you give us the grace to care about them? Uh, Or if there's someone who is alone or someone who does need to feel your love, Lord, would you use us as vessels or tools in your hands that could show that love? Thank you for giving us a better way of life. Thank you for bringing a new kind of kingdom that doesn't operate by the same standards and procedures of this world. Um, Instead, Lord, it is based on love and is thinking big picture. And we're, we're glad we get to be a part of that. But Lord, we need to learn how. And I just pray that you'd help us this week um, to love people the way that you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.